Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's uh, go to Hebrews 11 tonight. This is where we want to begin. Amen. We've had such good services. And, uh, you know, I just want to declare over you that you will never suffer shortage again. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, uh, some number of years ago, the uh, the Lord said something to me. Uh, I was um, asking the Lord about something, and and I'll tell you how long ago it was. It was it was when the uh, the seeker friendly movement really kind of kicked into gear, and and things like that began to to occur. And uh, I had friends of mine that that ah uh, you know. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know that they were doing anything wrong. Uh, they were doing what they they knew to do, uh, but you know we would get together for coffee and they would talk to me and and uh, um, you know I I lost I lost fear a long time ago of people using words like you know old fashioned and and things of that nature simply because you know and and again now. Don't misunderstand me. I mean, when, when God gets ready to do something, you got to be ready to do it with him. But the point is, is that uh, I begin, they began to talk to me, and they, they were saying they were going to do, be doing these things. And, and uh, you know, I went to the Lord, and I said, Lord, I, I want to I wanna be right in the middle of whatever you're doing in the earth. And, you know, if this is something that, that you're doing that you want me to be involved in, I sure want to do it. And the Lord said something to me that, that I've never lost. He said, uh, he said two things. He said, number one, he said, you preach the pure word of faith in the manner you learned it. And secondly, he said, you stay with your fathers and you'll stay safe. And that's it. That's, that's what he said. And so consequently, we never went down that road. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong or, or that people that did are wrong. That's what the Lord told me. Our heritage is faith. Our heritage is the word of faith, all right? You, you, you got to understand, we don't know anything else. I mean, I was raised Pentecostal, but when I got a hold of the word, I don't know anything else. And um, one day we were uh, having lunch with our pastor, Pastor Caldwell, and he made the statement, he had been doing some shows with uh, a son of, of a very prominent word of faith pastor that had taken over the church. And uh, he made the statement, he said, uh, you know, he said, the Lord's been dealing with me about this. And he said, the first generation of the word of faith was, you know, Brother Hagan, Till Osborne, uh, Oral Roberts, Normal Hayes, people like that. And he said, then the, the second generation, the word of faith came along, Brother Copeland, Jerry Savelle, he included himself and Miss Jeannie and some other ones. 
And he said, the Lord's now raising up a third generation of the word faith. And he looked at us and he said, and you're in that generation. You're, you're part of that third generation that is proclaiming the word of faith. And, uh, you know, we used to have our faith explosion every September. And uh, we had some great times. And we would, we would bring in other ministers and, and guests. And uh, it was great. But one day the Lord started dealing with me. And he said, I need you to take six days every year and just intensely put faith in your people. Amen. You, you understand? And so that's, that is what gave birth to six days of faith. And, um, you know, Je- I'm, I'm sharing this with you for a reason. is because what is said is so vital. What is said is so vital. All right? We, we, we talk about, you know, in our, in our circles, we have confession, you know, confess it, possess it. You know, we've blabbed it and grabbed it, named it and claimed it. I mean, we've done it all, right? And, and, but what you say is so powerful because the Bible says that words carry life or death, all right? They carry the power of life and death. And so uh, I'm saying these things because what is said is so important. Um, the, uh, the Lord said to us in October of Pat, this past year, 22, uh, Brother Jesse spoke over my wife and I, and he said, the year that is coming will be a very special year of your life. And let me tell you, it has been. So far, if, if, if this year continues to trend, and I see no reason that it won't, it's a record-breaking year. Amen. In every area. But he said something else. He said, don't let time defeat you. The, something that you can't separate from faith is patience. Amen. And if, if you're not willing to be patient, you, very often you don't give your faith time to work. Because every application of faith is a growing phase for your faith. All right, and every time you apply your faith, your faith is growing. Every time you every time you put pressure on the situation with your faith, your faith is growing. Don't let time defeat you. Because because it will all come to pass. All right? Because faith doesn't fail. Because it's God's faith that comes from God's word. People will make a statement, they'll say, "Well, that guy had a faith failure." No, he didn't. His faith didn't fail. I've got a whole series on that about uh, uh, supposed faith failures. No, the Bible, the Bible t- gives us plain reasons why things don't happen. But you've got to be patient with your faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm patient with my faith. Amen. Now, my, my time with you during this six days of faith, we've just been dealing with the faith dimension. And uh, we'll read Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on Hebrews 11.1 1, other than to get some, some points across. We, we dealt with a lot of this on Tuesday. Uh, but we've got some extra things to deal with. Amen. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you could put the word yet 
on the end of that. The evidence of things not seen yet. All right? Uh, so faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen yet. So notice that it's faith is the substance of things and it is things that are hoped for. All right? It's, it's things that you have a picture of. All right, we made the statement on Tuesday, you got to spend time building the picture. All right, I heard Brother Copeland say years ago that your words were the brush that you paint the canvas of your picture with. All right, and, and so you, you've got to spend time cultivating the picture. All right, one translation says faith forms a solid ground of what is hoped for. So Bible hope, natural human hope, Natural human hope is, well, it'd be nice, and we say, well, I, I hope that happens. In other words, I have no concrete footing for it. I have no firm foundation. It might or it might not. It's kind of up to chance. Maybe, maybe not. That's not Bible hope. Bible hope is a picture of what belongs to you, and faith gives substance to that. Right? Faith gives substance. One translation says that faith is giving substance to your hope. Another translation says faith is the title deed of things hoped for. The title deed of things hoped for. So when you start painting the picture according to the word of God, faith is the title deed. So when did whatever you have belong to you when you received the title deed? Amen. Do, 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 do you see this? All right? There, there are things in the Bible that are mine, and when we say, well, yeah, they're mine by faith. Well, when you say something is yours by faith, you're saying, I have it. It's, it's not mine by faith if I don't have it. Yeah, but I don't see it. We're not talking about seeing it. We're not talking about perceiving it, handling it in the natural realm. You will have it before you have it. If you don't have it before you have it, you'll never have it. Amen. It's mine right now. Is that right? Uh, listen, we're going to read this in just a few moments. A father of many nations have I made you. Is that right? Pastor Michelle mentioned this verse last night in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 15, God came to Abraham and said, Behold, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Walk before me and be perfect. And Abraham said, What could you possibly give me, seeing I'm still childless? And the heir of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And God looked at him and said, what? No, this will not be your heir. One that comes out of your own body will be your heir. The next verse is the key. And Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. And he still had no outward evidence that anything had changed. But he had God's sworn oath on it. Faith, God's faith, is based on something that's backed by covenant and sworn in blood. It can, it can, faith is not a hope so, maybe so proposition. You don't try, you, you understand? Faith is not something, faith is substantial. It carries weight. It's how God operates. 
And when you put faith in God and in what God said, you're saying, I believe what you said when you said heaven and earth would pass away, but your word would never pass away. I believe what you said when you said you cannot lie and you cannot change and it was impossible for you to lie. How much effort does it take to put faith in someone who cannot lie? Cannot lie. Not won't, can't. People say, yeah, but God won't lie. He won't lie because he cannot lie. Anything that God's word is, God is. And the Bible says your word is truth. So God not only has truth, God is truth. If you are truth, to be truth, there can be no lie in you. None, zero. You cannot be truth with untruthfulness in you. So when you put faith in what God said, you're putting faith in something that is unable to lie. When you put your word faith in the word, the word cannot lie. The word cannot fail. He said, my word will not return unto me void, but it will, say it will, it will accomplish the thing I send it to do. Amen. Glory. Amen. The one translation says, faith is being sure of the things hoped for. You know what I found out with a lot of believers is they are not aware when faith comes. Now, we have Bible for that because the man at Lystra in Acts chapter 14, it says that Paul and Barnabas preached the word there and that while they were preaching, that there was this man there that was crippled from his mother's womb, had never walked. And it says, while Paul preached, he looked at him and perceived that the man had faith to be healed. And he said, stand upright on your feet and walk. And he said, he stood upright and walked. Amen. Well, he had faith. Why wasn't he moving? He didn't know when faith had come. Amen. When does faith come? When you are convinced. When you're convinced. That what? That that. You're, you know that 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 you know this is going to be mine. Amen. Glory to God. Without faith, there's no way to give substance to the things I hope for. If I don't have faith, I can't give substance to the things I'm hoping for. Amen. Then he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Then he says, the evidence of things not seen. So what does that mean? Evidence means proof. 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 Proof is not something you can't see. If you have proof, it's substantial. Is that right? Faith is what? It's proof that I have currently what I'm desiring. I have it presently. Well, I don't see it yet. That doesn't mean you don't have it. Remember, Pastor Michelle made the statement, we've made it for years. Faith isn't hard, it's just different. 
Why is it different? Because it's different to believe you have something you can't presently see. Different, not difficult. Faith is not difficult. When people make faith sound difficult, it's clear evidence they don't know anything about faith. Faith is not, it's not hard to stand in faith. Because, listen, it's not hard to stand in faith. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm in a faith fight. Well, the Bible says there's joy and peace in believing. It says they have believed, have entered into rest. If you're wearing yourself out believing, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. There are no sleepless nights in faith. Because you have it. Amen. You try it. Tell your neighbor, see if they believe you any more than they just believed me. Say say it. Tell, Tell your neighbor, say, there are no sleepless nights in faith. See, the book of Psalms says, and it's talking about our children and talking about our families, it says it is vain for you to stay up late and eat the bread of sorrow. And he said, if the Lord doesn't build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Amen. But when you have, notice, when you have the promise, you have faith, you have it presently. I will not have it more when I physically touch it than I do right now. I will have the manifestation, but I will not have it more. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. If you've ever ordered a car, you know, you, 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 you either got online or you, you, you saw what you wanted and you got, got online and got with the dealership and said, I want to come down and pick that up. Can you have it ready for me? And they said, yeah, we'll have it ready for you. And they, they had it ready for you when you showed up. Well, you didn't have it more when you drove it off the lot. Amen. You had it before you ever got to the lot. Amen. Amen. You got to enjoy it, but you didn't have it more. Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. When, uh, when, uh, 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 when Pastor Michelle became pregnant with our daughter. Here's, here's my question. Was she more pregnant at eight months or an hour after she found out she was pregnant? She was no more pregnant at eight months, right, than the first hour. The, right? The baby was growing but no more pregnant. She was pregnant, period. Well, she don't look like she's showing. has nothing to do with it, right? Brother, are you healed? Well, yeah, but I just don't feel like it. Well, see, but you said, yeah, but then you said you don't feel like it. Yes, I have it. I have it, right? What follows having it? Feeling. Your faith will never follow your feelings. It'll never follow your feelings. Amen. So faith is not I will have it. Faith is I have it now. Never put off into the future what faith says is yours presently. Amen. See, that's why I say, the Lord's been having me say this over you. You will never suffer shortage again. 
Amen. Right? Now, now think, think about this. What, remember I taught the series, the, the, the message step by step, and, and the Lord gave us a, a, a process when Pastor Michelle and I were believing for something, and one of the things that we said the Lord would give you is something to say. He'll give you a scripture to stand on, and he'll give you something to say. And what he gave us to say in that circumstance was this, that, that everything was going to go for our uh, 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 Lord, how, how did you say that exactly? Everything was going to go for our victory. And he said, every time the thought of defeat comes up, you say that. Amen. Amen. Faith has to be put in the heart and spoken out of the mouth. Amen. Has to be. Amen. You understand? When you put faith in your heart, then you speak it out of your mouth. That, that's the answer. That's the answer. So when the Lord says, you will never suffer shortage again, you're, you don't just say that because you don't see shortage. You say it when you see shortage. Because what do you have? A lack of shortage. Yeah, but the checkbook says, but what do you have? Are you following me? Remember what I said? Where are you seated? In heavenly places, in Christ, far above all principality, power, might, dominion, every name is name, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Is that always your circumstance? No. But is that always your position? So I might not feel like I'm seated far above, but am I? Why am I? Because the Word says. What do you put your faith in? What the Word says. Is that right? So the Word says that God will supply all of your need according to His riches and glory. The Word says that He will give you all sufficiency in all things, and you will abound to every good work. Is that right? So you answer the shortage with, I'll never suffer shortage again. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. You can probably quote it by heart. I didn't intend to take that long with the introduction. but 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. The Reese Bible says, Through faith we are ordering our manner of life, not by something seen. Now don't miss that. Because what that's saying is that you can order your life by something seen. But it says, as people of faith, we order our manner of life not by something seen. One translation, I think it's the Amplified Bible, says we walk by faith, never by sight. Now, don't don't misunderstand me. That that doesn't mean you're not going to see things that are contrary. It means that's not how you order your life. Amen. Faith requires focus. Faith requires focus. And here's what I mean. The promise has to have your attention. What got Abraham's attention in Genesis 5? The promise. The promise. 
The promise has to have your attention. And if the promise, or let me say it this way, if the problem has your attention, the power of the promise will be diminished. Because the problem drains faith energy. When you focus on the problem, you're draining your faith energy. Now, people say, well, Pastor, you can't deny what's going on. I'm not talking about denial. Abraham, Abraham did not deny the fact that Sarah could not have children and he couldn't father a child. He didn't deny that. The Bible says in spite of that, he believed God. Amen. But faith requires your focus. Amen. The difference between people that achieve by faith and people that try at faith is focus. That's just it. You're either going to achieve by faith or you're going to try at faith. If you're going to achieve by faith, it takes your focus. Amen. A focus on the word, focus on how you respond. When my, when my pastor and Sister Jeannie were in that automobile accident, tire truck hit them there on Markham, uh, Avenue, Markham Road in, in uh, Little Rock, broke her back in three places, uh, knocked him out. When he was coming to, the guy was standing there by the door knocking on the, on the window, and he said, he said, are y'all all right? Are y'all all right? You okay? And pastor started answering, and the Holy Spirit said, be very cautious how you answer. And pastor said, we will be fine. We will be fine. What was he doing? Even, even maybe without knowing it, he was setting the road, the course, for what was going to happen with her and happen with every situation how do you go through something like that and your back broke in three places, amen, and you refuse the surgery and a number of days later, a number of months later, you go back to the doctor that diagnosed you with a broken back and he, and he looks at the pictures of your back and says, boy, they really did a good job on your back. It doesn't even look like you were in an accident. And she said, oh, I didn't have anything done on my back. The Lord healed me. But he gave them something to say. He gave them actions to take. But it took their focus. The Lord told her, I want you to go home and I want you to lay in bed for 30 days. And I don't want you to move. Something to do. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. Sometimes all you can do is confess. You can't act any other way. If, if you're dealing with financial shortage in your life, there's times you can't give as much as you want to give, but you can talk all you want. You might not can sow as much as other people, but you can, you can talk day and night. Amen. Glory. Do you see that? We order Everybody say, I order my manner of life by faith. And here it is, not by what is seen. Not by what is seen. Now that seems elementary because, because uh, we know as faith people, we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel. We're moved only by what the Word of God says. Pastor, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to make it? Everything's falling apart. Wait, 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 I thought we weren't moved by what we feel. We're moved by what we see. Amen. Right? I've had, it felt like the pressure of the world on my shoulders. 
and I was standing in faith. And can I tell you, it did not move me. Because he didn't say I wouldn't feel the pressure. He said it won't move you. What's your job? Don't start ordering your manner of life according to the pressure. Amen. Amen. Say it out loud. I don't make my decisions according to pressure. I make my decisions according to faith. This is what I've been trying to get across to our churches about everything that God's doing for, for us. And, and sometimes people take me wrong, and, and, I, and, I, and I don't mean it wrong. But, you know, if God said, I got a building for you, then God's got a building. I don't care how big of a down payment I got to come up with if I got to come up with one. Doesn't matter. And that's not going to move me. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go look at this building. Well, how much are they going to want for it? I don't care. If God told me to go look at the building, then I need to go look at the building. Very often, am I helping anybody? Very often, what you need is on the other side of your faith step. But when you order your manner of life by money, or feeling, or pressure, because it feels good to get out from under the pressure. But here's the problem. You just got out from under faith, and now you're open season for the devil. It's better to put up with the pressure for a little while and enjoy the victory than to have to start all over again. Amen. We're not governed by what we see naturally. We're governed by what we see through the eyes of faith. Amen. Amen. I said we're not governed. Say it out loud. I'm not governed by what I see naturally. I'm governed by what I see through the eyes of faith. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? Now, Look at Romans 3. Romans chapter 3. I'm glad you came to church tonight. You know, I look at the lives of people. And and what I mean is, is, uh, you know, there, there are people in here tonight. You've been here as long as we've been pastoring. And, and we've just steady. And if you've been here that long, you know our message hadn't changed. Not one bit. And it never will. Amen. I'm from Texas, and you dance with the one what brung you. Hallelujah. Been dancing with the same one for 30 years. That ought to tell you something. Amen. But here's, here's the point. I look at people's lives, and, I, and I've watched them go through things And I think it was because of a steady diet of the Word of God that they made it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I've had people before say, what are you going to teach on next year? Oh, faith. Well, are you ever going to quit teaching on faith? Well, Lord, no. That'd be stupid. 
One man told Brother Hagin, he said he'd been pastoring for 25 years, uh, this man had, and he told Brother Hagin, he said, you know, I've never really preached on faith. And Brother Hagin said, then you've never preached the gospel. You've never preached the gospel. We need a steady diet of faith. Amen. But I want to hear about end times. Well, we can teach on end times, but we'll teach it from a faith perspective. Amen. Well, I want to hear about marriage. We'll teach you how faith will fix your marriage. Amen. Well, I want to learn how to find a good mate. We'll teach you how to confess the right one in by faith. Glory to God. Amen. Pink coat and all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Did you find Romans 3, 3? What if some did not believe? Now, now see, not everybody's going to believe. But notice what it says. Shall their, everyone say their unbelief. Say their unbelief. Make the faith of God without effect. Now, right? Now, here's the question. Whose faith is it that you have? God's faith. So that means when you're exercising your faith, you're exercising the God kind of faith. And what did Paul say? He said, what if some doesn't believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Can we look at the, the beginning of that next verse? Notice what it says. Uh, it's very strong. All right? Notice, it says, God forbid. Let, let God be true. Now, when it says let, it means you've got to allow what God said to be true. And every person that doesn't believe, a liar. That doesn't mean you go call them a liar. You might get slapped. But, amen. Does that make sense? Here's something the Lord helped me to see. Faith and unbelief are both personal. If you're in unbelief, it's your unbelief. Amen. Why? Because remember what Paul said right there? So what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief? Faith is something you have. Unbelief is something you have. Faith is what you have by looking at the truth of God's word. Unbelief is what you get by looking at the circumstance. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Does that make sense? Everyone in here has had to deal with adverse reports in some area of your life. Right? The only thing you have to do to get into unbelief is start focusing on the report and start allowing the report to be your truth. You don't deny the report, but the report is not the truth. Now, here's what, where a lot of people miss it in their faith. Can I help you with this? They'll get a bad report, and they'll go, no, no, I don't receive that. Well, receive it or not, it's there. Amen. And they'll look at the doctor and go, nope, nope, I don't have that. Well, you do. Brother Kevin, the Lord healed you of cancer. Did you look at your doctor one time and say, I don't have cancer? You went to the Lord and you said, okay, Lord, the doctor says I have cancer, but I say I'm healed. Is that right? I say I'm healed. 
I say I'm healed. When, when, when uh, Liliana dealt with some things back in December, and, and it started with a, a bad case of the flu, and, and it opened the door to strep, and then it opened the door to this septus that tried to come into her bloodstream. That, that, there was a wave of that going through the state of Arkansas. When, they, when Pastor Michelle called me and said, I've taken her to the emergency room here at uh, Arkansas Children's, and this is what they said, I didn't go, I don't, tell, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. My daughter doesn't have that. Amen. I got off the phone and went to 1 Peter 2, 24. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, with his stripes, Liliana Lynn Steele was healed. And 1 Peter 2.24 is coursing through her bloodstream right now, effecting a cure and bringing about a rapid healing in her body. Amen. Glory to God. See, that's how faith works. We, we didn't start getting into the report and allowing the report to produce unbelief. Right? And, and I could go around the room and talk about other people that have stood through things. But here's my point. Their unbelief. Unbelief is personal. <laughs> See, you can't blame the devil for your unbelief because it's yours. Amen. Right? Remember what, what the Bible says about the children of Israel? It says they could not enter in because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. They did not mix faith with the Word. They didn't. Did they hear the Word? What, but what did they not do? They didn't mix faith with it. Is that right? So you hear the word, you got to mix faith with the word. How do you mix faith with the word? Your tongue is the mixer. You put it in your heart, you speak it into your circumstance, and you stay focused on that. Amen. Amen. No one else's unbelief can make the promise without effect in my life. That's what Paul said. He said, shall the unbelief of some make the faith of God without effect? God forbid. Right? It requires my unbelief for the promise to be ineffectual. Unbelief stems simply from focus on the problem. Un unbelief stems simply from focus on the problem. Because the more you say, I don't have, I, I can't make it, too much month at the end of the money, always come up short, day late and dollar short. That becomes your belief. But where your faith is concerned, that's unbelief. Because the Lord said, number one, you'll never suffer a shortage again. Right? Number two, he said in Psalm 112, wealth and riches are in the house of the righteous. Ooh, glory. He said in Psalm 69, he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. Is that right? That's how you answer that. Me and my children. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Look at, look at uh, Romans 4.20. Am I helping you? Romans 4.20, this was Abraham. Pastor Michelle spoke so eloquently on Abraham last night. 
It said he staggered not. Now, do you remember what the word staggered means? He, he didn't waver. And what did he not waver at? The promise of God. How would he have wavered? How's it say? Through unbelief. Is that right? Now, here's, here's, here's the question. Whose unbelief would have caused him to stagger? His unbelief. Right? So that means, that means if I'm married, my wife's unbelief can't hinder my belief. My unbelief can't hinder her belief. Not to hinder my agreement, but it can't hinder her faith. Right? It was his, un, it would have been his unbelief. How was he strong in faith? Well, Scripture says giving glory to God. If you're giving glory to God, what are you focused on? The answer. Because you don't give glory to God for the problem. You give glory to God for the answer. Is that right? Oh, glory. So, notice verse 17 of Romans 4. We said this the other night, the two things, how we access the things that are in the faith dimension. And I made a statement, and I want to keep repeating it. I want us to get it. The things in the spirit, the spirit realm and the natural realm are separated by a very thin veil. And, and here's the thing. Spirit beings move in and out through that veil very easily. That tells you that the veil's thin. It's not hard to access. Everything that I have access to is in that realm. Amen. I'm, I'm just, I just, Pastor, we just need more money. It's in the faith dimension. And remember, number one, realize that they are yours presently. They are mine presently. And then secondly, begin to call those things that be not as though they were. And that's what Romans 4.17 says. He says, as it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. Before him, who he, whom he believed, even God. Now, can you show me that in the Amplified Bible? Because this, this is so important. I saw, I saw this many years ago. And it says, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Amen. So when God, when God makes a promise, it's not something he's got to do. It's a promise of something he's already done. One translation says that Abraham became like God in that he called those things that be not as though they were. Amen. Now, why is that important? Because that's what you've got to do. And you're not calling things that be not as though they were to try to make them exist. When you call things that be not as though they are, you're saying, I believe they exist. 
Amen. Glory to God. When you declare out of your mouth that you see your children growing up around your table like olive plants, you see that. Amen. You're you're not trying to make that happen. You believe that's already true. Glory to God. Amen. One translation says, God speaks of future events with as much certainty as though they were already past. Now, how quickly would things happen if I looked and spoke with that much certainty? Like it was already done. Well, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, you know, how far out am I supposed to go with this? All the way. To the edge. All of us in here know those weak-kneed, soft-souled people that just sit back and just take it as it comes, and we're just going to do our best to get through it. But then there are people that you know and I know that are like you and I that take the Word of God and say, we're going to just see how far we can go with this. Amen. Glory to God. That's why your circumstance is subject to change because faith is the substance of things. Financial prosperity is a thing. Healing in your body is a thing. Unity in your family is a thing. Is that right or wrong? And faith is the substance of things. Glory. Amen. So you might not see enough things in your bank account. Faith is the substance. It didn't say money was the substance of it. It says faith is the substance of it. Everything in this earth is made up of molecules. Everything in this earth is made up of a life force that God spoke into existence in the very beginning. And the Bible says that God did that through his faith. And your faith, your words of faith, will attract the very molecules that make up finances and produce abundance in your life. Amen. That's, that's why when you say money comes to me now, you're not just making a faith confession. You are making a faith command. Money, you come to me now. Right now. Amen. Well, it can't be that easy. Well, I wonder how often you say that. And that's why it's hard. Amen. Finances are not hard. It is not hard to prosper. It is not hard to prosper. Amen. It's not hard to be healed. Hallelujah. You, you got you to stay focused like they are presently yours and keep calling things that be not as though they were. I'm helping you. When God promised Abraham a son, it was as good as done as long as Abraham stayed in faith. You understand what I mean by as good as done? It was done. Faith is the substance of things. Give substance to things. The things we see 
came from things that are not seen. Not that they don't exist. Amen. Brother Moore was praying one time and uh, about something the Lord had asked him to do, and it was their first really huge project, and it was several hundred thousand dollars. He said he was talking to the Lord, and Lord, I just, Lord, this is, this is more than I've ever believed. And he said the Lord interrupted him and said, Keith, I don't care how much it costs. Just get the job done. I don't care how much it costs. Now think about this. Think about a God that said, I will supply all of your need. Now, now, help me with this. Did he say it matters how big the need is? You know, if you go around this room, we have, we have single folks in here, right? We have married folks in here. We have retired folks. We have people that work, working on your retirement. Here's my point. It costs varying amounts of money to run the household. Everyone in here has varying amounts of needs. Amen. Is that right? Some greater, some less. Right? All of us in here, we have different needs in our life. God did not ask the number. He said, I'll supply your need. Now, wait a minute. What is that? We used to call it carte blanche. In other words, you got God's promise. I don't care what the need is. Now, help me with this. If you have a God that's not asking about numbers, how hard is it to believe him for your need? Yeah, but Pastor, I need $10,000. Well, it's big, isn't it? Yeah, it's big. You understand? Just money. Peter got it out of a fish's mouth. Right? Jesus encountered a need twice. Once with the 5,000 men besides women and children, and another time with 4,000 men besides women and children. And he took basically the same amount of food and multiplied it through the blessing and his faith and fed them all, and they had so much left over, they, they had 12 baskets full. If God was concerned about numbers, why didn't he make sure that everybody got the same sardine and the same cracker? And there was nothing left over because, after all, God doesn't waste his money. You know, can I tell you something Brother Copeland said years ago? He said he would hear people bragging about saving God all this money. And he would go to their churches, and they would talk about the secondhand things they bought, saving God money. Yeah, we're saving God money. And he said one day he was praying, and the Lord said, I'd like to know when I'm going to get all that money they've been saving me. Right? You say, what's that got to do with faith? Why don't you exercise your faith for the best? It's just numbers. I got quiet. 
Yeah, but I believe my faith is at used car level. Then go get the best used car you can get. Amen. Amen. Well, when will I get up to new car level? You'll know. Just keep exercising your faith. It's just numbers. Is a car a thing? What is faith the substance of? What, what is, uh, 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 we read in Second Peter chapter 1, it says that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Is that right? Through the knowledge of him that's called us to glory and virtue. Now, you're not going to find a scripture that says, I will give you a new Honda or a new Lexus. But we do have the scripture that said he'll supply all of our need and that he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Is there anybody here that doesn't need to drive anywhere? Is it, is it better to drive something you're confident in or something you got to worry about that's going to break down every five miles? Help me preach somebody. Right? So why don't you exercise your faith for the best that God can give you at the present level of faith that you possess. It's just a thing. And faith is the substance of things. Well, I'd like to have a house, but no but to it. Get busy. Get busy. There's scripture after scripture about houses and lands. He's, God said, I will give you houses. Yeah, but I need stuff for my house. Praise God. Isn't it good that the Bible says, in the dwelling of the righteous, there are pleasant and precious riches, abundance of gold and oil. I've studied those verses out. It means God wants your house to be luxurious. Now, see, people will hear that. And they'll go, well, it's not all about things. Faith is 100% about things because it's the substance of things. Here, listen to me. Is righteousness a thing? Is holiness a thing? Is sanctification a thing? You are all of those things by faith. So when people say faith's not all about things, they don't know much about faith. It's all about things. Hmm. And then what did he say in Romans 4? He said, we call things. What do we do? We call what? Things that be not as though they were. Oh, hallelujah. Then we read it in 2 Peter. We have been given all what? Things. Well, let's, let's look at Mark 11. I'm going to be done in just a moment. We'd be remiss if we didn't look at Mark 11. Mark 11, 23. Truly I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those, those things which he saith shall come to pass, he'll have, now notice, he'll have whatever things he saith. Is that right? Is that right? So what do you have to believe? That the what? The things you say come to pass. 
Isn't that interesting? So what things are you calling? What things are you saying? What things are you believing for? Because those are the things you're going to receive. I, I, I need to hurry a little bit. Look at verse uh, 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire, we could say whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, them what? Them things. Tell your neighbor, say, I got them things. Glory to God. I got them things. Amen. Amen. You know, it doesn't surprise me that we can pay cash for cars. I sowed seven of them. And that seed multiplies in the ground. How much seed do you reckon I have in the ground where cars are concerned? Seven of them sowed in the ground. How much seed's still there? How much, how much seed's still multiplying in the ground? A seed that you sow, if you don't detach it from your faith, it can produce perpetually. But you know what people do? They sow for a need. And when that need's met, that's it. They leave. That's all they do. And then they wait till they got another need, and then they sow for that need. The primary reason for your sowing is not to get your need met. The primary need reason for your sowing is to live in abundance. You can, you can sow from need to need and get the need met, but never have abundance. And the next time a need comes up, you'll have to sow a seed. We got to move to the place that when a need comes up, we don't have to sow a seed. We got it right here in our pocket, and we just take care of it. Amen. Say it out loud. I won't have to touch my reserves anymore because I have more than enough. You have time for one more verse? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. I get fired up about this. It's just in my DNA. You know, the Lord told my pastor something. And uh, the more I study on how the Lord spoke to him about these things, uh, we've, we've often heard the story. Uh, you know, I told you the story about how the Lord told him, he said, I want you to go to the, to the men's store and I want you to buy the most expensive suit in the city, which at that time was a Hart, Schaffner, and Mark suit. That's, they're still nice suits. I got a couple of them. But the point is, it was a very expensive suit back then. Called them the three Hebrew children, Hart, Schaffner, and Marks. And uh, a Hart, Schaffner, and Marks suit back then was $500, $400, something like that. And uh, he, he told the Lord, he said, Lord, I can go down to the bargain barn and buy three polyesters for that, or three polyesters for $75 is what he said. But then the Lord told him, he said, he said, if you can't pay full price for a suit, you can't build a building debt-free. And if you can't build a building debt-free, you can't take a city. And if you can't take a city, why do I need you? What'd that all come back to? Faith. 
Then they get in their building project. They get the land. Remember how they got the land? 12 acres of vision. You ever heard that, that, that series that he taught? Eagle leadership? 12, maybe you haven't. 12 acres of vision. And he, and he went up there. And if, you, if you've ever been to Little Rock over there by Napa Valley Drive, it's a major artery through the city. Now, it wasn't then. And he went up there on that land. There was nothing around there. And he sat on a stump on top of that hill. And the Lord said, I want you to go, and I want you to offer them this amount of money. This, this land was owned by, a, by a, a, a co-op of businessmen. And he went and offered them the money the Lord told him. They said, no, number one, that's not enough. And number two, we really don't want to sell the land. So he said, he went back and sat on that stump and said, now what do I do, Lord? And the Lord said, wait three weeks and go back and offer them $10,000 less. You know what that tells me? God is not worried about how big the money is, and he's, he's not worried about lowering the price either. Right? And he went and offered them $10,000 less, and they said, okay. And then you know what God started doing? He brought the contractor to him that donated his service. But you know what else God asked him to do? Build the building debt free. Over a million dollar building in 1982. A lot of money. Built it debt free. Built it debt free. Amen. How did they do that? They believed in every dollar. Amen. How do I know we're going someplace? That's my heritage. I know how to believe God. I come from good stock. I come from faith people, not from doubt people. Amen. Glory to God. I, I was just in the building the other day. It's still there. Amen. Now, I'm telling you that story for a reason. God, God will ask you to do things by faith because of things you're going to need in the future. And it may feel like you're really having to put the pressure on just, just believing for your need right now. But that means God's got something bigger for you in the future. Don't strangle on the electric bill. God's got it. Because the numbers are only going to get bigger. They're only going to get bigger. The houses are only going to get nicer. The cars are only going to get nicer. I'm telling you. Amen. The, the amount of money you're paying out right now every month is the smallest amount of money you're ever going to pay out. Because God's going to ask you to do more because your faith needs it. Okay, I need to shut up, but listen. When you start shrinking your lifestyle so you don't have to use your faith, how far can you shrink it? How much can you do without? How old of a car can you drive? How secondhand can your clothes be? How, how small of a house can you live in? 
Well, I'll just live in an apartment. Okay, you want a nice one or a run-down one? Because they got them paid by the week. I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm not being smart. I'm saying how far are you, you going to draw back? Every time you draw back and don't use your faith, Amen. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 13. We have in the same spirit of faith. According as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Now, I want you to see something. And, and, and this may be elementary, but listen. Listen to this. What are we speaking according to this scripture? What we believe. What are you supposed to do with what you believe? Speak it. You're supposed to speak what you believe. Well, what do you believe? You either believe the problem or the promise. Amen. Amen. That's a good place for you to say out loud, I believe the promise. promise. Amen. We believe and speak. What do we speak? What we believe. So I'm saying this for a reason. So what you don't believe, don't speak. If you don't believe it, don't speak it. I went to the doctor and they said, I got this, but I don't believe that. Then quit speaking it. You don't believe it, quit speaking it. Speak what the Word of God says. You're not denying it by not speaking it. Amen. I had a lady sit in my office one time. She was disgruntled in the church. I've had a few of those over the years. A few, very few, honestly. In 25 years, very few. But, but the point is, uh, she, she, was, she was, I don't know, she was leaving for a number of reasons. And she had this long letter that the Lord had, something the Lord had spoke to her about me. And it wasn't nice. She said the Lord had said it. And uh, she said, I want to read you this letter. And I said, okay. And she started reading the letter. And it's a bunch of stuff. Pastor Michelle was in the room. And uh, here, here's my point. Here's my point. When that lady got done reading that letter, my wife looked at her and said, I don't believe that. And she started saying what she did believe. You never saw somebody pick up their stuff and get out of there so fast. Why is that important? When something is said that you don't believe, words do not die. They have to be replaced. Amen. And you got to replace them with what you believe. What did the Lord tell us? When they say supply chain shortage, you say, I do not expect to be affected. When they say times of recession, you say times of refreshing. And have you been affected? Are you living in a time of refreshing? I will never suffer shortage again. Neither will you. You know, I, I, uh, I'm closing with this. But sometimes, you know, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. Spoiled, rotten, spoiled as a grandkid. You say, why, why is that? Because we're insulated by faith. 
And in the kingdom, everything is so good. And sometimes you hear a bad report on the news if you listen to it. And you want to go, is that, you mean that's going on? I mean, I'm, I'm going around the room. I see a bunch of healed people, blessed people, strong marriages, strong lives. Amen? Hungry people for the word. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. So the Lord says, from this night, make sure to bring to your remembrance that you will have whatever you say, and that you'll have whatever things you say. And when you see the shortage in things, increase the saying. Increase the saying. Many are trying to get by prayer what I said they must get by saying. And I told my servant, Charles Caps that if my people would begin to learn the value of their words and the power of their words, it would put an end to long, drawn-out prayers where they would have what they say. And I told him that I've told my people they can have what they say, and my people are saying what they have. Amen. So you bring to your remembrance, the Lord says, that I will have what I say. And as you say, you'll be on your way. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. I believe God. I believe God. Amen. Amen. Well, hallelujah. Let's stand up tonight, shall we? Praise the Lord.